Next Chapter Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The 500. The 500. Us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of these four Angelo, talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end with my man JM on the 500. Talking the 500 until the end song is Love Having You Around. It's by Stevie Wonder from the 1972 record, Music of My Mind. It's also number 285 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, party people? Thank you for joining me on the only podcast run by a comedian where he's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums so he can experience incredible music. And today, we got a good one. Just to give everybody a heads up of where I am going to be, New Year's Eve, I will be at the House of Comedy in Plano, Texas. And then the first weekend in January, I'll be at the House of Comedy, Minnesota. Later in the month, I'll be in Milwaukee. I'm doing a goddamn comedy jam at the Comedy Store on uh, January 22nd. And uh, the 23rd, I'll be doing the uh, Shimmy Shimmy at the Comedy Store. And then all my... 2023 dates will be on my website joshadammyers.com that's where you can get tickets and follow me on all social media at joshadammyers don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page youtube.com backslash the 500 podcast and most importantly please subscribe to the Patreon Uh, we give full episodes to Patreon subscribers that are paying $5 or more a month we appreciate the support we got a lot of incredible people working on the show. JT, Emily, Adam, uh, Ben, Justin. There's so many people. Like a dog. Uh, and we really appreciate everything that you guys do for us. So go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast where you will get free merch. Lekka. You'll get free. Lekka. You'll get free merch. She knows I'm doing this right now. That's the funniest thing. You'll get free merch. And most importantly, you get to ask questions to the guests. So hook us up. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Stevie Wonder. Arguably one of the greatest musicians that's ever walked the face of the earth. Uh, My introduction 
came early eight. I think Cosby Show is the first time I found out about Stevie Wonder. And what's so funny is like the older you get and the more you experience his music, the more you realize that, man, this guy has had a career that is way bigger than I just called to say I love you, which is a great song sung by Gerard Carmichael at the goddamn Comedy Jam. Um, and we've been doing this podcast, I think, for over four years now, since 2018, October, or we're coming up on four years. Are we? Or are we coming up on five? No, we were at four. We're coming up on five. Holy shit. I love making this podcast, and I love it because of situations like this. Today, we have a guest on that I am such a fan of, uh, and a huge thanks to JT, uh, my producer at Next Chapter Podcasts. Uh, the one and only Rex Chapman. Uh, I love Rex because I am an enormous Washington Bullets fan. Everybody knows that. Uh, and Rex was one of my favorite players for the Washington Bullets in the mid-90s. He's also played for the Hornets, the Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he's an NBA All-Star. The guy has also been an addict and come out of it and has a third chapter now in his life and career where he is one of the most influential people on Twitter. Um, oh, and the guy, is, he does a podcast with Jeremiah, the Rex Chapman Show. Uh, it was, well, it's called the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins. Uh, and you can get that on Next Chapter Podcast. Uh, an incredible dude. Such a fun conversation. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. If you love Stevie Wonder, basketball, uh, everything, we cover it all. Raid, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and go to joshadammyers.com for tickets. Email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com and follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, we got a website, the500podcast.com. Everything's there. The music, uh, the facts. We got a smorgasbord of stuff. Well, you ready? Because I am. 285 out of 500, Music of My Mind by Stevie Wonder. There it is. Wait, I almost there, heard it. You got it? There oh, it is. There it is. Yeah. is that Kentucky yeah. draw. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Y'all come get some. Oh. <laughs> do we have Leanne Morgan on again? No, it's Rex Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> I got just just because I want to jump into this. I you know I'm yeah. so happy that that we're finally meeting, uh, whether it's whether it's online and you know, dude, I live in New York as well. Do you? Uh, yeah, I was living Fantastic. in LA 14 years. I moved out here. We'll t- I'll tell you all about. Get a dog. There's some parks yeah. depending okay. on where you live. Trust me. Across the FDR on the east side, it is right. there's a there is a there is two baseball fields that the dogs can just run only a couple Great. people know it and most of them aren't like maniacs they seem like yeah. cool people fantastic uh, but i you know and i know jeremiah you know this so you understand why like i was i have about 15 different washington bullets jerseys <laughs> in my closet and i mean i've got minute bowl oh, i've got fantastic. i've got george murison aren't those great I, unis they were the, the the old Washington ones were my favorite. I do like uh, the stuff they had when like in like 2014, 2015, when they kind of yeah. went back to yeah. the old generation. Like, yeah, but it was like, because the whole Blue Wizards thing was like, come on, man, like stick yeah. to the red, white, and blue. We're DC. Like, let's, Yeah, let's I remember, we, you know, the jerseys and 
and uniforms weren't a big deal. We didn't have any fucking say. It was you you wore whatever the team fucking chose. Yeah. And uh, but we were like one of the first teams, I think, to have a third uniform. We we had a red uniform that they would break out from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, what the fuck is this? But um, yeah, they're just sweet, classic uniforms. Classic. Yeah. Classic. And I I mean, dude, I have the I have the Washington Wizards logo tattooed to my arm. <laughs> like, I'm a fan, dude. And I, it sucks right now because we suck. We suck. Yeah, been, but been sucking. Been sucking. Been sucking. I I, I promise. I'm gonna say this to the listeners. I promise you, everybody, we're gonna get to Stevie Wonder. We got so much good <laughs> stuff to talk about. I gotta ask this because you mentioned it. You played with so many incredible people. Who is the one person that you played with and immediately knew, like, oh, this guy's about to be. This is the best player I've ever played against. Uh, against is Michael. Um, yeah, that would be Michael Jordan. Uh, the the of the guys that I played with, uh, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was, you know, most guys that have changed the game or can or can change the game in, in a matter of, you know, minutes. Most of those guys are historically were six, five, six, six and bigger. Yeah, know? sure. Yeah. And Jason was a guy who could dominate a game uh, as a six, four point guard who didn't shoot it really well. He rebounded, he passed, he uh, dove on the floor, he set picks. He was just undeniable. He played at such a frenetic pace, you couldn't keep up with him. Uh, but Jason's, Jason stands out. Funny that you say that because me and my dad, we used to go to the Capitol Classic every year in yeah. uh, in Maryland. And uh, the year that everybody was talking about Yinka Dare. Yinka <laughs> Dare is going to be the next Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, he right. was built like Shaq. He had right. all the potential if he could have done it. Went to GW. But me and my dad, we were all, you, know, every, you can't not be like just completely in awe of somebody that big, but right. it, the guy that stole the game was Jason Kidd. And we were both like, this is the dude. He, I mean, he, he yeah. killed everybody. Jay was so fast, man. He, yeah. he was the, he was the one guy that like, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I played with some really great players, very fortunate, but he was one guy that I played with and maybe it was because of his position. He, he made me way better immediately. Like, you know, that just, kind of works i'm sure musically it's like playing with somebody in a band and all of a sudden you play with somebody else and wow you sound better yourself yeah. right yeah so um but that was noticeable for me all of a sudden i had less traffic i had more i had you know more freedom to move around because he's yeah. so fucking good mm-hmm. watch how i tie this together ready for this yeah guys? let me see this. i would say that stevie wonder is the jason kid of music wow. wow i would even say that because we're talking today about a guy that let me pull up his little bio i mean this is a dude we're talking about a guy that is, that at age 11 was singing his own compositions we're talking about a guy that has you know i mean played with every great producer and is considered one of the greatest producers and musicians of all time uh, and basically like changed music and we're meeting him right now for this album, Music of the Mind, on like 
almost like act two of his career. He's not little Stevie Wonder anymore. You're getting him where I think is what takes him all through the 70s. And is eventually then you get that 80s stuff where he's on the Cosby show and he's doing I just called to say I love you, which kind of fucking rules. But um, <laughs> but my, that was how I found out about Stevie Wonder was the Cosby show. Like I remember seeing him come on and being like, oh, who? Who is this guy? And that song's so great. Like you're a little bit older than me. How do you, and I, and I love that you have Prince behind you too, by the way. Yeah. Like, so I know you're into funky shit. Yeah. How did you get into Stevie wonder? What's your first inkling of hearing about him? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I was really fortunate growing up in that, you know, wherever we went in the car, my mom, my, 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 uh, grandmother and my, my mom's brother, um they my well my grandmother played piano and uh by ear and every thanksgiving every holiday everybody's around the piano singing and all that my uncles were in bands growing up they played the bass and sang and so i i think i and i can't do any of that stuff but i i i developed kind of an ear to where i can tell what's good yeah um, yeah. (laughs) or what or what something's supposed to sound like yeah um and you know, their big influences, well, my uncles at the time was were, were of course, like the Doobie Brothers and um, Stevie. And my mom was in the Motown. So I grew up listening to, you know, Michael Jackson, and Quincy Jones and and Stevie. Um, and Stevie was, you know, I was born in 67. So, you know, around age five or six, the early 70s, mm-hmm. that dude was everything i mean everything i think about the stars we have today you know that guy at age 20 25 30 was there weren't bigger stars in the world than stevie wonder and uh you know i when jeremiah asked me about this the other day it made me remember a uh a story when used to be you go into college and you're PR people, the pe- people at the school, they, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite, whatever for the program, right? Yeah. That year, my freshman year, favorite artist, Stevie Wonder. Nice. So, and, and I got the opportunity either that summer or the next summer, he was playing at Rupp Arena in Lexington. And I went down there and, uh, you know, they brought me in the back. And I went to this show and I was just blown away. We had great seats. And afterwards they said, Hey, Stevie, I'd like to meet you. And I said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and and I mean, you were the best player on your team. Obviously you're the guy, right? Yeah. But come on, this is Stevie wonder. And this is Lexington, Kentucky, man. And so I went down there and I had a, a little a girlfriend that was, I was dating at the time. We went down there and waited. He came right out and immediately said, uh, I've watched you play so many times. And I was like, and he said, I've listened to you play. Yeah, so I, was, I was about to make a joke. I was about to make a joke. And I was, well, like, I, was I was stunned. And he, he said, I listen to it on the radio all the time. It was clearly joking. And, uh, you know, I'm a basketball fan. I think he's from Cincinnati. So he'd listened to our games before. Uh, so it, it was just surreal, surreal for a 19 year old kid who had grown up watching, you know, Stevie on TV from the time I'm six, seven years old. It was amazing. 
What was it? So being that young, like, what was it that like caught you about him? Was it just that he was on the radio so much or was it like, cause I, I mean, was the music super funky and different? Yeah. Like, what, what was it like? Yeah. My, you know, my Sharia more and, and all of the, it was stuff that it was new. He, he was funky. He was, he was blind. He was uh, every bit of cool that you could think of i mean from his hair to the way he sang um to just his mannerisms i mean we people do everybody that does stevie impressions to this day he's just stevie and i you know also is there anybody who doesn't love that guy I mean, I has think, he I ever done anything wrong? No, I, I, no. Across the board, I, I feel like like somebody, I don't know where I heard this once, but they were talking about the like, people with an aura of just good or or whatever. They just stick out. And they said the two people that they have met that once they walked into the room, everybody was at looking at them because they're just like, there's they glow. One was uh, Bill Clinton, which you can kind of tell. I'm not saying good or bad, but there's right, something like right. Bill Clinton is just a charismatic yeah. guy and probably likable as fuck. And then the other was Axl Rose, which once again, same thing, yeah. but they just have this thing. And Stevie Wonder has that thing. You know, I, just- think too, I think too, for a little kid, you know, five, six years old, seeing someone that's blind, that's on television and having to sort of think, man, that's some people... I can see, you know, it, it kind of gives you a, a pers- perspective that you're looking through. I couldn't understand. Wait, he was born blind. Well, how did that happen? You know, for a little kid, you're asking all of these questions. And then he's the best, you know, musician. Yeah, uh, he not, you know, he writes, he he sings, he plays. Um, yeah, I just love the guy. I have a little, I have a little spiel about him. So let's, let's find out a little bit about uh, Stevie Wonder for everybody. Cause I'm assuming most everybody knows who he is, but you just might not know the background. He's born in Michigan, began playing instruments at an early age, including piano, harmonica, and drums, started singing in a church choir at the age of four, formed a partnership with a friend and they played on street corners and occasionally at parties and dances. I always love like street corner performers. Like I stop, I watch, I tip. And the best place to ever do that, New York's good, but New Orleans. Go to New Orleans and just, I mean. Talent. Just Just just, talent. Just dancing. I mean, there's a fucking marching band that comes through like Bourbon Street like every 15 minutes. Um, (laughs) I think the greatest part about that is that it just shows you there's so much talent. And sometimes it's just about opportunity. It's just about, you know, not you or I walking by. Well, maybe you since you're kind of into the music stuff, music business, but you or I walking by. It's when someone with some juice walks by, you know, someone with a record company or someone who does that sort of thing and sees that kid out there and then bang it's just opportunity for a lot of people who was yours who was the guy that saw the talent in you at an early age and knew that you were gonna you know you know i don't i don't know who that was i know that my my dad played in the old aba mm-hmm. uh you know which ended up merging with the nba he was a college basketball player so i knew that was achievable you know i uh, people would ask what do you want to be i would be like i want to be a pro basketball player and I just would say that because that's what my dad did. But I knew you got to see it. It comes from somewhere, though. If yeah. if nobody ever does it where you come from, that you, you just it's hard to envision that dream. 
Did you think of your father? Is it in the ABA? I mean, did, would you still have the same passion for basketball? And I don't. Drive? I don't know. Uh, you know, he coached forever, so maybe, probably. But I, I'm thankful because yeah. I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't like school. I didn't. So I'm sure it kept me out of trouble. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's the same thing with me too. Because like, it's it always is. It always is dads. Like, I mean, mm. I don't. I'm gonna. I got more about Stevie, but it's always. You know, even good or bad, if they're a good father or a bad father, we look at the things as a kid and we're like, like my dad loves stand up comedy. So I was like, I want to do that. That's cool. Yeah, right. and, and then and then he listened to great music and it was like, and, and I want to do that. And I want to listen to great music. Yeah. Um, so we always pull regardless, but I think this is actually more, I think for Stevie, it's more his mom. So at yeah. age 11, sang his own composition, Lonely Boy to Ronnie White of the Miracles. Then uh, they took Wonder and his mother to an audition in Motown where the CRO signed Wonder. Before signing, producer Clarence Paul gave him the name Little Stevie Wonder. And wow. he began a five-year contract with royalties. His mother would be paid a weekly stipend to cover their expensive uh, expenses. Wonder received $2.50 a week, which was equivalent to $22.67, and a private tutor. All right, let's get to the chunk of this. All right, his debut single came out in 62. Uh, it almost broken the Billboard Hot 100. By the end of the year, this is crazy. When Wonder was 12, he joined the Motortown Review, touring the Chitlin circuit of theaters across America that accepted black artists God. in Chicago. 20-minute set was recorded and released May 63, recorded live, the 12-year-old genius. Then there's a single, Fingertips, and uh, the song became his first number one hit and he was 13 years old. God. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Youngest artist, insane, youngest artist to ever top the chart. And then you have the 60s, where then you get him working with Motown, Sign, Seal, Deliver, I'm Yours, My Sherry Amore, entering his 20s, uh, was tired of pro the process of playing a part to his musical director who'd write down the part, then bring it to a musician who wouldn't play it exactly the way that Stevie Wonder wanted it. That Just reading that, this is a kid that is barely 20 years old, and and he hears it, and he's, he's like, play this, and they're they're just they're not doing it. And he's like, no, no, no. Like he has that much uh, confidence and just like security in what he's trying to get out that he knows that he needs total creative control. Good. 
Prince. Oh, Prince. Oh, same, for sure. Same yeah. thing. I, same thing. I, I, you know, I, I think about those guys. They had to have felt as young people, not 20, as 12, 13, 14. They had to feel frustrated and stifled by the system, right? The, the They knew what they had. They had yeah. all of it. They just needed backing and they needed people to stay the fuck away from them and mm-hmm. let them create. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and then they're fighting a whole music industry and all that stuff as they get older. But, but man, you can, I mean, but you would think, have, you yeah. would think, Rex, you would think that like the kid has been, you know, called a genius since he's 12. You think by the time they're 22, 23, they'd be like, just let him do his thing. Yeah. And, and we'll get, we'll get the gold that comes out of it. Cause they, they're going to make the money, the record industries and all the produce, they're going to make that money off that kid and just let them work. It, it's, it just, it's mind blowing how, I mean, for somebody that has worked uh, and sold things in television and, you know, I, I created the jam. I, I said, this is the, this is the show and right. comedy central was like, okay, we want this part of it. Yeah. We're going to change all of this. And I'm like, all right, it's going to fail, but I'll yeah. take your money. And I took the money and it failed. And I was like, all right, told you. Yeah. Hey, but that I, is I why, that is why this album is called music of the mind. I think I have a quote um, that, that Adam had pulled up from it. It's in one of the questions. Okay, yeah, here it is. So in 2018 interview, one of Stevie's producers and collaborators on this album, his name's Malcolm Cecil, said Stevie kept on saying, and I quote, man, this is how the music sounds in my mind, and and that's how the album got its title. Um, And that kind of makes sense because – I don't, I mean, fuck man. I wish I knew more of the records that were out at this time, but I listened to this and one, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. I knew it was going to be, well, I didn't. Yeah. Superstition. Yeah. That's funky. I know he's going to be funky, but this is, this is a different soul record than and funk album. than I think, you know, like it has Sly and the family stone elements, um, but see, I don't, this is the thing about the podcast that right now somebody's screaming at their mic or their, yeah. or their, mic or their, their radio, like he doesn't know anything. Yeah. Fuck I, you. I'm a comic. I, yeah. I, 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 this is about Pearl Jam. I know right. everything. Right. But it, it's, you know, this is like, I mean, you're a little bit older than me. I mean, how well do you know Superstition, man, superstition was life-changing. Uh, you know, you are the sunshine of my life. And then later on, like in the eighties, even, you know, uh, part-time lover. Oh yeah. Uh, just the jam. I can listen to that any time of day. And it's one of those that just puts you in a good mood. You it can't really not be in a bad mood with part-time lover. Um, I, I mean, I, I kind of, when I think of Stevie, I think of, you know, the older songs, um, you know, I'm nostalgic like that. Like, is that your favorite era? Like an asshole. Yeah. Seventies. Yes. Seventies. Um, I don't know why I just have always sort of romanticized it. I guess maybe we do. We all do that somewhat. Uh, I hope. When were you, when were you Uh, born? You're born in 68, 67, 67. I, Uh well, it's the same thing that I was born in 79 while we, why I romanticized the eighties. You know, right. that's those that's the decade that you're dude, you have no credit right. card. You're off yeah. the grid. You know what I mean? Your mom and dad make you food. They take you, know, you I was everywhere. Watching, yeah. I, like yesterday, uh, something came across my Twitter feed that said that uh, it was a the Jackson's first appearance on Ed Sullivan. And 
that was in 19, I think it said 1969. Michael Jackson was 11. I would have been two. So, but I remember that probably from seeing that thing later on that, that, you know, appearance later on, yeah. but like, that's how I remember Michael Jackson in my mind's eye as this, you know, 10 year old kid. Like I, I picture Stevie, um, you know, just as that 25 year old dude, just ruling the world. There was the world. nobody, nobody cooler. If you could get Stevie, Stevie wonder on the, on the late night show or anything like that, you got him. I mean, he was yeah. world worldwide. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, he isn't, this is like the beginning of when he's about to go into like making some of the greatest albums right. like, ever made. I mean, songs in the key of life, uh, you have inversions oh, yes. coming up the next year after this. Um, so he's, he's had different chapters. Speaking of chapters, and you just mentioned it, like you've had a whole separate chapter now of your life with, I mean, becoming one of the biggest names on Twitter. Like, how did that start? One day it was just, I go into Twitter and, and I was like, fucking Rex Chapman's telling it like it is. Like, I have no I, idea, man. Like, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Jeremiah knows. Jeremiah knows. It's so dumb. I, I mean, I, I was at the uh, NBA Combine, you know, in Chicago, where all the kids from trying that are going to be pros, hopefully be pros, they're going to get measure and all that stuff before the draft. And this was four or five years ago. And there's a young man that plays basketball, a good player, plays for the Celtics now. His name's Grant Williams. Mm -hmm. And uh, Grant came up to me. I had my credential on. I'm standing around like every other scout, whatever, in the NBA. And Grant came up to me and saw my name tag and said, Rex Chapman. I said, yeah. He said, from Twitter. I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I mean, you don't know why uh, you never saw me throw yeah. the ball up, catch it, don't get in midair. You never seen so, that. Yeah, but it's better than it's better than drug addict, thief, felon. Yeah. Yeah, right. So. Dude, we we you have we have so much in common. I don't think you even realize it. You don't even realize same things. Yeah, I get um, it. How, but speaking of that now, and I feel like because it's just on my mind, how are, how do you feel like now your work, you know, because you do, you, 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 you give so many people like not only do you show the bad stuff that's going on in the world, you show a lot of the good stuff. And I think that's like those palate cleansers that you do are so great. But unfortunately, now Twitter is becoming this. Yeah. I don't even know what it is like. Yeah. How do you do you do you Silly. feel like we have to adjust or or like what do you think the future of social media now, especially Twitter is going to be? I don't have any idea. I just, I, I, I think everyone's kind of in a holding pattern. Nobody wants to leave Twitter. Nobody wants to, you know, and, and fuck most, most people are addicted to Twitter, self-included. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's what we're, that's what's going on here. So, but you want it to be a nice playground for everyone, not shit thrown everywhere and people yelling at one another and calling people names and stuff like that. So I don't really know. I hope that something happens and it can be salvaged. It doesn't look like it's going in, good, in a good direction. <laughs> no, it though. doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I think I don't know how it all started. You know, shit, Jeremiah, I was fresh out of rehab seven, eight years ago and started doing, you know, some radio stuff and stuff. That's how we got to know each yeah, other. Through but you were a natural company. man and everybody loves you. And obviously I'd always stuff. done 
Yeah, thanks. Your step I'd always done. Godfather. So like you got <laughs> some crazy. connections. In yeah, the game yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was like, yeah. like, you just I was it on Twitter. You just didn't give a fuck because you had gone through that and everybody had called you every name in the book, sort of thing. Or I think to a degree, I, honestly, I think it was. I, look, I I don't have any idea that there'd probably be four million people following that account if I hadn't come out as a huge liberal. Um, so, but yeah, I think. Uh, what I think happened, I was perfectly fine just bullshitting, showing blocker charge videos and whatever yeah. <laughs> until until George Floyd got murdered. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the response by people in general, but not just people in general, by the president of how, how that was handled, uh, I just couldn't in good conscience um you say nothing at this point so i think that kind of started it um and uh yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of it i don't know what's bad there no you've said it perfectly it's you know it, it it's we start something just for fun and then it can evolve into like you don't realize how many people you're helping or or they look to you for like yeah. advice and the video like- and the videos. Yeah. The videos like the feel good stuff and all that. I, I like, I love that people are getting something out of it. I really do. But honestly, I'm, I'm a depressed dude. I, you know, mm-hmm. I've fought it my whole fucking life. I'm trying to get myself through the day. And that's a fun video for me to see. And I may, I may watch it 20 times today to get myself through the day. I might even look at some of your replies to help get me through the day. So yeah. if the byproduct is you're getting some out of it, then great. Good. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I actually, I got to say this because I think it's funny. I think my listeners would like it, but, but I had therapy today and I had to stop uh, about half an hour in because I had to go take a shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, hey. I, I paid the, for the full hour That's though. Right. I, but you know what's funny? I got what I needed out of that half hour. There you go. Was like, yeah. He was like, you got to look in the mirror and you got to be your best. You know, you got to be cheer for yourself and do that. I was like, that is perfect. I got to cut what this you shit. needed. You took what you needed and you left what you needed. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. This interview is amazing. Hope you're enjoying it. And we'll get right back to it. But before we do, I want to turn you on to a show that you got to listen to as soon as this one's over. From Next Chapter Podcast comes an amazing adaptation of the classic works of William Shakespeare called Play On. You may think you know all the plays back to front, but I'm telling you this. This is old Billy Shakespeare like you've never heard before. There's rich, immersive sound design and beautiful original music. Also, the language and settings have been updated by award-winning modern playwrights to help make them just as relevant today as they were over 100 years ago. And since it's that time of the year, they just launched their latest series, The Winter's Tale. It's dark, it's funny, and it's chock full of family drama. So it's perfect for the holiday season. Be sure to check out Play On Podcast wherever you get your pods or go to ncpodcast.com to learn more. And now back to the show. All right, let's get back to this record. Let's talk about taking what we need from this record and what what Stevie went through. So this is this is the background of this album, all right? Where is it? Where's the little doodle? That, all right, there it is. Booyah. All right, so Music of the Mind is the 14th album released by Stevie Wonder and was released in March 1972. How old are you when that year, what, five? Five. 
Five years old, yeah. It marks uh, the four, four, four and a half at that four. point. Are you yeah, that kid? Four and a half. No, I was that kid though. Yeah. So four and a half. That's March. Yeah. yeah. Four, four and, and three quarters. I remember that. That was Marcus Berg. That was that was my kid who do that. Don't you dare shortchange me by a few months, no, right? No, you t- take them all, well, dude. Take them all, dude. I'm four and a half, not four. Babies are four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this marks the first time Stevie Wonder worked with producers Malcolm Cecil and Robert, I'm going to get this name wrong, Marjulie, Leff, two pioneers of electronic music. Wonder enlisted them to build a synthesizer and assist with his recordings. Satisfied with the results of their partnership, Wonder brought Cecil and Marjulef, uh, Mar- yes, you know, let's, let's call him Robert, back as engineers and associate producers on subsequent albums such as Talking Book, Inversions, and mm. Fulfillingness, uh, First Finale. Wonder said that the synthesizer has allowed me to do a lot of things I've wanted to do for a long time, but they were not possible until this came along. Um, I want to keep reading, but I want to comment on that. Like I, I have noticed from this record and listening to it, especially from the first track, which I've got pulled up right here. I'm not going to play it, but uh, love having you around. That is the first thing that you notice is that synthesizer, that and it's just so. I love it. It's so great. It's so fun. It. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I like one of the things I usually do is I usually listen to like the album before just so I can see the transition. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, the album before. I'm, I'm pretty sure is probably on this list. So I don't want to like spoil it for when I actually do have to listen to it. But it's like I would love to see how different Jared, if you could look it up and maybe just kind of get us a background or something or play a place a track from the album before that. So we just can understand just really the difference. Um, the, this album was created while Wonder was between labels. In order to fund it, he used money from a trust that collected royalties he occurred from his time as a Motown child performer. The wow. funds in the yeah, right. I mean, wow. I'm, can, you, can you imagine no, what like no this how much money this kid probably made already by the time because this is like he got the funds they were turned over him when he turned 21. So that's before this record. So he's what, 22 years old? And, you know, probably, you know, probably. It's amazing. It really is. Um, the album peaked at number 21 on the US Billboard pop album charts and number six on the Billboard R&B charts. Music on My Mind is considered to be the start, here we go, of Wonder's classic album period of the 70s which resulted in three Grammy Awards for Album of the Year with 73's Inversion, 74's uh, Fulfillingness, First Finale, and 1976's Songs in the Key of Life. Have you listened to all of those records? Do you have, um, like, how well do you, I mean, that's yes. how you, uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, if a Stevie Wonder album came out between 79 and 99, I had it. I had it, and I wore it out wore it out you know i was just uh, he was he was you know there were i think listening to him really uh kind of spoiled me and just musically because we're we're getting to an age where uh everything is synthesized like the bass drum the 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 bass everything Mm -hmm. and so growing up hearing live music and live performers and seeing Stevie, but seeing his band as well, you know, um, it was just, 
it, it was, I'm grateful to have that kind of music appreciation. Uh, you know, had I been born 10 years later, I might not, you know, have that appreciation for that live, those, the, the bands of the time and Stevie, you know, being able to sing and, and play, uh, and, and that the thing that I think we're forgetting, you brought it up for a second, dude played the harmonica, like no plays the harmonica, like nobody's business. It was yeah, he's sitting there and he's just tearing it up on the keyboard. He's singing and all of a sudden he plays the harmonica for 30 seconds. Mind blowing, mind blowing. Yeah, I, I was just and we keep talking about, you know, being able to do all this stuff. And then what you when you think of Stevie Wonder, you just realize you keep forgetting that the guy was blind. I know we brought it up. Yeah, but it's like and and this, I'm sure to see how I can word this where I'm where I'm complimenting both of them like. Ray Charles is one of the best R&B singers of all time, but he's just playing simple chords and has the backing band. Stevie Wonder is playing every instrument for the most part, writing all of the parts and just he, so it's like he sees much more than everybody. Right. And and yet the guy, you can't tell if if you're standing right in front of him unless you're wearing cologne. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think that's the, the, that's part of the, I guess, the mystery and the magic of yeah. those guys and people, you know, uh, with similar situations. Uh, it, it, you just, you know, there's so many things that I think just that from a young age, seeing Stevie perform and thinking about him doing all this, but, you know, also having to, you know, process as a young kid, there are a lot of things that people have to help him with. And I think that that, you know, for a young mind was very, um, you know, and I think having parents to explain these things to me, um, you know, to, to tell me, look, and look how fortunate you are. And, um, those kinds of things, I think, you know, growing up with somebody like Stevie wonder, um, as an influence, musical influence is one thing, but I think we probably discount, you know, how much empathy we've gained from, you know, just, him being in our lives however he is musically yeah and it's not even like what do you got here this is look around i mean this sounds nothing i mean nothing yeah nothing like what we what, what's on this record skip a little bit at What's so it called? Good. Look around. All right, I know yeah. what I'm listening to the second this podcast. So Jesus Christ, Jeremiah, can you have more that. tabs open? Good God. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? 45 tabs open? We just Jeremiah just shared the screen and he's got yeah. he's trying to break into the NSA. <laughs> this is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest. To break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. 
Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Uh, speaking of 45 or 50, uh, the, the producer said that they that Stevie showed up with about 50 or 60 songs to choose from, to make this record. Wow. Yeah. And then they just wow. whittled him down and he would just, he said the songs were just pouring out of his head. Uh, and then they were recording. I don't know if they recorded all of them, but we probably don't No, They did record. They did record 50 or 60 songs. Wow, dude. It just corrects. It, it, Prolific. I, you know, I know it's art and it's, yeah. I just have, I've always had a tough time. Like, how do you know what's going to do you know if it's going to be a hit you you've recorded it yeah you've got a feeling everybody in the room kind of thinks but are there those times that they go oh yeah yeah that's it and and that that's the crazy part because those songs and even the ones that they don't think once we've heard them they can't be sung any other way they can't be that's how that's how it is that's how it's always going to be and they laid it down just blank yeah i was watching um howard stern just interviewed uh, bruce springsteen on the uh, on the radio show and they they have the interview uh and the video on hbo max and i watched it and stern made a good point he was playing like tougher than the rest and he's like oh my god that song gives me chills and he goes do you know when when the song is going to be a hit he goes yeah because i get that same feeling Wow. And I feel like that too with a joke, you know what I mean? Where you're yeah, just like, yeah. I'll, I'll say something or I'll think of something and go, oh, that's, that's that good. Works. That, that is, works. Yeah, that's that's going to be big. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, cause I think, you know, cause regardless of being the, the artist, they still appreciate the art and they, they yeah. know in music, I think much point. like comedy, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, like the Backstreet Boys. I hate to bring them up. Those are so formulaic hits. Yeah. Like, you know, the reason why there are these guys like Max Martin or, or uh, Doctor or whatever his name is, a guy that works with all those people and Britney Spears and, uh, you know, Shania Twain, they all are mm-hmm. circling from the same pool of writers. Right. And they just have that thing. They, music can they be know. very formulaic. This, on the other hand, is not. This is almost where you're getting something that's so out there compared to what most people are making but still having that 
pop sensibility. Yeah. Stevie knows how to write a perfect wow. song. And so yeah. regardless of whatever instruments are on there or whatever genre it's going to be, whether it's easy listening or funky, funky like this, it's going to be good. Um, I think I like, I think that's what I, yeah, yeah he's a genius. And that's what he's I like about him too, is that I love nothing more than, than a song you can dance to and sing to and all of that stuff. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, I like slow songs too. And I like love songs and I, you know, he was just, you know, we don't get that a lot anymore. We, we've, you know, it's just different. And he, he did both. He would sing duets. Um, just a, just a lovely, lovely man. He, I was going to uh, throw in that the fact that he's a genius, but he's in like, I guess you just like keep churning out, you know, he's got 50 songs and they select the 10 of them or whatever for this <laughs> album. But I was just going to turn it to hoops for you or whatever you've seen in sports Rex, where it's like, I mean, obviously Michael Jordan's one thing, but you know, when you have one, a, a player is like super brilliant and then you put him in this system, you know, whether the producer is Phil Jackson or whatever the equation is, you know um, but you've seen it firsthand with like brilliant players yeah. that just need to be in the right system, you know? Yeah. Mo, mo, I like anything, the great ones, they, they're going to be great wherever they are. But, you know, if you get with a, a manager, a coach, you know, like a Phil Jackson or somebody who's proven, you know, uh, that they can help you be better. And, um, you know, I, very few of us are the smartest people in the room. I think people probably like uh, Stevie Wonder are the smartest. Yeah. And and then they say the least. Uh, which that's also terrifying too, because they're, I think they're just sitting there <laughs> laughing at my dumb ass. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, yeah, I think that that's, uh, I think also the thing about, about Stevie is that you look at him and look at a guy like LeBron right now, um, who, and I'm a Michael Jordan guy, but I love LeBron. Uh, LeBron was a runner and jumper when he first came out and high flyer, fast, 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 power, power, power. And look at him now. These guys have changed and evolved their games over the years. Stevie is not the same artist he was when he started. He's done so much and he's continuing to still do it just as LeBron is here 20 years later in the NBA. It's amazing. You'd still drop 20 if you were in today's league, Shit. dude. Yeah, dude. You'd Shit. at least be dropping 20. I dropped 20 shots. Yeah. I, I, was a, I, was, I was a shooter, not a maker. Uh, I mean, but dude, that, that, that shot was fucking was perfect, man. Uh, the way, what made you want to get into the slam dunk competition? Like, I, I mean, didn't want to. What I happened? didn't want to. They asked me. They well, it was you know, I didn't. We need a white really, guy. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really understand it. I didn't. They they asked me to do it my rookie year, and I said no. And I wanted like three days off. You know that. that yeah. I just wanted to go home. And so uh, the next year, though, they made me do it. The league. And the Hornets basically strong arms me into doing it. So I did it in Charlotte or in Washington. Sorry. I did it in Miami. And then, and then uh, the next year though, it was in Charlotte in our hometown and I had to. So I did and I got robbed and the rest is history. <laughs> he did get robbed, dude. D Brown, D Brown still has my trophy. He could see, he could see that he could see the basket. <laughs> if you look at the video. He's got his eyes peeking out a little bit. Maybe it was no, the shoes. All love, was, all love. But yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. They asked me to do it. Uh, they asked me to do that, and for 
they, I bet they asked for eight or nine years every year. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. They asked if I would do the three point contest and I never did that. I never wanted to do that. I could get hot in a game. I was not a standstill three point shooter. I, I, I can't imagine doing that. I, it is, would have been the worst ever. Is Steph is Steph the greatest shooter that's ever played the game from somebody? Especially, I know you're his godfather, but I mean, I'm not his godfather. But uh, my wait, name, you, didn't you oh, say did that? I I'm I kind. It's kind of it's used not to babysit that far him. Of a yeah, well, yeah I, I babysit. Steph you're like you're not. You're like they called you Uncle Rex. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> uh, it's either Stephen or his brother Seth. Seth will tell you he's the best shooter in the world, and and statistically, he is. He's uh, he he doesn't have the green light that Stefan has mm -hmm. and they're way different players. I was it was fun. I was here last week and uh, the Hornets were in town. So I got to say hi to Dell and see Dell and then Stefan, my son, Zeke is 30 and he works with the Nets. He's in the Nets film room. So Steph, uh, Seth and and uh, my son Zeke are together every day over there but oh, seth awesome. curry seth curry is a fantastic shooter of the basketball but he reminds me so much of dell as a player you know stefan runs stefan runs miles every game end to end all over the floor all and seth is the opposite of that seth is dell's kind of makeup kind of you know a little slower paced and, you know, gets to his spots a little more methodically, but it's just fun watching those guys grow up and do what they're doing now. Dell was, Dell was on that, those early Hornets teams, especially after you left, if I'm not mistaken, because I was, I became a big Hornets fan only because uh, that was the starter jacket that was on right. sale. Everybody. And, yeah, dude. And I, and my, my parents bought it for me. He was like, you're not even, you're a Bullets fan. I go, no, I, yeah. I Larry Johnson too. And then for two seasons, I was obsessed with the Hornets and, and Dell was just, I mean, you Dell's the greatest Dell, Dell arguably before his sons, Dell was arguably the greatest shooter I've ever seen. You know, he, he was the first guy, you know, I came from Kentucky uh, out of college and Dell had already been in the league a couple of years. Um, but he was the first guy I ever played on a team with that was a better shooter than I was. And that wasn't saying a lot at the time. Kelly Trapuca was on the team. He was a better shooter, but yeah. Dell was, Dell was one of the, he's one of the top 10 shooters of all time. In my opinion, just street straight one piece, catch and shoot feathery, feathery, soft jump shot. Um, beautiful jumper. That's so funny that you say that. And I'm not going to do the the segue back into Stevie, but I would I, would you put Stevie Wonder as one of the top ten shoot? I can't say because he can't yeah. see the basket, right? But I mean, yeah. would you put would you put yeah. top, would you put Stevie Wonder in the top ten of people that have ever made music? Yeah, I, mean, I would. But I don't know. You know, I I say that I don't know music like like you do or like. Um, you know, historians and people sure. who have just immersed their whole lives in it. I know it from a, a fan standpoint, but yeah, from my, from where I sit, he sure is him and Prince. And Prince. And, yeah. Yeah. Who's I, your, I just go ahead. Who's your, who's your, who's your top five? Like what are the, what are the musicians or like artists that, that Rex Chapman is like on your Mount Rushmore? Oh God. I don't even know how to do this. Uh, oh my God. We got Prince that's, and that's Stevie. That's too hard. That's too hard. Um, Prince, Stevie. Um, you know, I 
I grew up listening to the Doobie Brothers. Um, that, that was the some of my yeah and we can do that for the next 15 minutes All day. yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah i i you know and then i shit the 80s i think back man i love i love the music that that um hall and oats was putting out i was um you're an rb guy right i'm an rb you know earth wind and fire was my real first jam rick james growing up rick rick james came out with um super freak in i want to say i was seventh grade and that was life-changing life-changing um and then prince was right around that time for me which getting rick james and prince in owensboro kentucky in the 80s was an ordeal it was already oh it was everywhere else and you could hear it like we had one radio station from evansville that you it was kind of staticky you know but we could get and it was an rmv station It was called wev uev and uh, so I would hear everything there that was playing in Chicago and New York and L.A. and so frustrated. And then we had a our neighborhood uh, or our city little place disc jockey was called Waxworks and Waxworks. We could get everything about two weeks after we started hearing it on WUEV. Yeah, and I'd be in there looking for Prince because they Prince was not being played on the radio, not in, not you know, in Kentucky, not at that, not in the early 80s. No way. Yeah. Uh, maybe once 1999 came out, Purple Rain, they started. Mm-hmm. But before that, you couldn't you couldn't really find stuff. So you really had to look for it. Yeah. Was it hard? I mean, like it was hard. Like, yeah. Just growing up in like in that kind of area where it's like it was just in its different. Own. No, I know. But it's just yeah. like once you got where was it where you finally got to see that? Holy shit. There's this whole world that's outside of this bubble. Oh, man, I I probably, you know, not till I got to college, but then college was, you know, I moved from a town of 50,000 to a town of 350,000, which I thought was, you know, like moving to New York. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it might not have been till I moved to Washington, um, you know, because I played in Charlotte for three or four years. So I was 25 before I really got in, got exposed to anything outside of the South and Midwest. And then you moved to Chocolate City and you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Damn. It amazing. There's amazing so many people baby. here. Um, all right. Let's let's get let's get to a few other things that will get you out of here. So this I have is, one quickie, though. Yeah. You don't mind. I was just no, going to go ask. So like since with hoops, obviously, you've uh, had so many, um, you know, kind of celebrity encounters, mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, other basketball players from other teams or whatever, the Hall of Famers, whatnot. But like, I, if we had your cell phone and mm. we could just, and you unlocked it and we looked through, yeah. who would we be surprised? Maybe from music that you oh, man. had met maybe since the Twitter exploded. Your Good question, Jer. I was yeah. just curious, like, because we, um, obviously we booked your show. I mean, I'm working. You guys, should, you guys should look at Questlove's Twitter page right now. Uh, look up Questlove's Twitter page and see what his bio, see what his uh, thing says at the top of his page. Can you see it? First tweet says, excited to see Avatar no, 2. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> 
The hip hop still- Rex Chapman? The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, dude. So people like Questlove, La- uh, Lala Hathaway, uh, so many people. But Questlove was doing a, this has been a few months ago. He was doing an interview, like a Zoom interview. And uh-huh. he, he sent me that the the clip of it afterward because the guy was guy was asking a question and I, he wasn't being he he really phrased the question to Questlove like you're kind of like the the Rex Chapman of hip hop and and Questlove just kind of went well okay and said right then and there wait till you see what my twitter bio says and he's had that on there ever since don't know what what uh point the guy was trying to make but it was hilarious nonetheless but people like that people that i've grown up you know watching um you know listening to oh who was somebody oh not long ago uh manic monday oh susanna hoffs susanna hoffs Oh God! Six months ago, yeah. All of a sudden, I find myself texting with Susanna Hoff, and I'm like, "Look at me! Look <laughs> at me! If I was 15 right now, I'd be, I'd be everybody's envy." Dude, I mean, she that, that she took stole everybody's hearts by that one little eye movement in that music video. Yeah, I looked up the other day. I had a message from Nancy Sinatra. Oh my God! I, had, I mean, just it, it's silly. The um. I don't, I can't even, Dude, people be like, I'm not, people be like, Hey man, got this new, uh, album, got this new, whatever you want to listen to it. You want to put it out? (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Right. It's, I think, well, that's, that's the thing that, that I got from Bill Byrne. I've probably said it on the podcast a bunch because we were doing something awesome. Um, and I was like, dude, I can't believe we're here. We're like hanging out with, with, uh, Oh God, it was, I think we went to go see Steven Adler from the drummer from Guns N' Roses. We're in the dressing room and just talking to him and I leave and I'm like, I'm such a Guns N' Roses fan. I was like, dude, that's the coolest shit ever. And he's like, that's what happens when you follow your dreams, man. Cool shit. Cool shit happens. <laughs> and you follow your dreams. And sometimes you, you start in one direction and next thing you know, you have like a whole different path, which is like yeah. what happened with you. And yeah. we have ups and downs, but when you stay true and you're a good person and, and you're talented and people and likable, like it's, Doors are open, dude. I uh, I, I went to go see Rage Against the Machine uh, five times because Tom Marillo, who's a buddy of mine, Doesn't you know, blow you pot. away, right? Dude, right? he texted he texted me. I wasn't gonna go one of the nights. He goes, dude, we're playing your song tonight, and I was like, fuck, I don't have tickets. And he's like, hit up my tour manager, and that 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 the greatest made me thing ever. It's the ever. greatest thing ever. Because, like you said, if you tell your fifteen year old self, yeah. "Oh man, that this band that you that rules that you love," yeah, you're going to be sitting right next to the stage, and he's going to point at you when he plays the song. So it's the coolest thing. It's, and it's the like, coolest I, thing. And I'm all the you. and all of the bad times, because like you had mentioned about the depression, life mm-hmm. is life is life's hard. Life's hard. It's but but we make it harder than it is. But by, mm-hmm. by thinking about the bad more than the good, and if you hold on to those good moments tighter than you hold on to the bad ones it, it's it's much easily to 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 digest the rest of the shit i mean hands down dude hands down yep, i'm with you i'm with you all right uh this is uh the first of four times we're going to be talking about stevie on the 500 uh talking book came in at number 90 songs in the key of life at 57 and inversions at 24 so th- the next three times we're talking about stevie they're all in the bottom 100 
Um, so obviously what I was, we were saying about putting him in the top 10, I a hundred percent think you could put, put him up there with the Beatles Same. and the Rolling Stones, uh, in the new re-rank, uh, music of my mind dropped down to 350, uh, songs in the key of life jumped 53 spots, number four and inversions dropped 10 spots, number 34 and talking book went to, uh, rose 31 spots to 59. Um, we have a couple Patreon questions. Let me see if there's. All right, I got to ask this because you're a sports guy. This is uh, from one of our fans. What's the best Stevie Wonder song to play at a sporting event? Oh, man. Maybe my Sharia more during the kiss cam. <laughs> right. I just called uh, to say I love you. Yeah, that's that's a good poll. Come uh-huh. on, Josh. <laughs> I, I've heard. I, I do. I have heard that before. They'll play that like on Valentine's Day and show the, show the uh, camera around the place. Uh, oh, man. Sign sealed delivered uh isn't she lovely isn't she lovely is my one of my favorites yeah it's a beautiful yeah. song what was the question uh what's the what would be what what's the best stevie wonder song to play at a sporting event at a sporting event okay uh sir duke man sir duke sir duke sir would duke? get people i think sir, sir duke? duke could get you know making music go yeah yeah. Ah, dude, did he, please appreciate how I just hit that I Stevie love that. Wonder you note. Did a little, hit it. Little, you did. little crispy. Little yeah, crispy, probably no Sir warm Duke. up. Probably Sir Duke. I, Su- Sir Duke head. or Superstition? I think yeah. for sure. Superstition, you could play, you know, like the dancers would come out or you're shooting like t shirt cannon uh, shit into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> or that maybe, maybe uh, right before a guy's ready to go to a free for a big free throw, they play for yeah. once in my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, dude. That's so great. All right. These are from our Patreon customer. The story behind this album is Stevie's contract negotiations with Motown. Barry is moved to Tonto Synthesizer, proving he can do it all by himself. What is a time where you bet on yourself, Rex? Um, okay. Very nice. Uh so in 1995 96 i was playing in miami i was in the last year of a contract uh pat riley had told me we're bringing you back i kept telling him all season long fine love to come back just won't play on a one-year deal and so season ended it's a big free agent summer um the heat wanted to bring in two 100 million dollar players juan howard and alonzo morning and all three of us were represented by David Falk. So I'm sitting in a decent spot. And uh, before I know it, they wanted me to do a one-year deal. And mm-hmm. I said, no, I will not. And uh, I left. I left and signed for the league minimum, played for the league minimum for a couple of years, and uh, then signed a long-term deal to end my career for five or six years. But, yep, I was like, no, it's not my worth. It's not. You know, I, I appreciate the offer, but I'm worth more than that and left and hopefully proved that I was. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, 
Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Yeah, for sure. But I, that was like, you know, I, I remember, it's funny that you brought that up, man. Like, I remember yeah. as a as a Bullets fan, Jawan Howard, it was like, I think his his rookie contract or something yeah. was like, and for me, it was like the beginning of free, when I really started thinking about free agency. Free agency, like, yeah. It was totally different before that. You never heard of people doing this kind of stuff. And they, and they offered Jawan Howard the contract. He signs it. And then Abe Polin does bitch about it. He bitched about it to the league and the league, Abe and David Stern went way back. And really it was going to leave Washington because they hadn't done their homework. They didn't know Miami was going to do this. They hadn't worked out a sign and trade. They were going to lose him for nothing, nothing, nothing. And the league was like, Nope, not going to happen. So they rescinded it, sent Juwan back to to Washington. And at the time, Walt Williams and I were playing with Miami. They had to, <clears throat> they had released us. They had renounced our rights when they went to sign Juwan. And when they sent Juwan back to the Bullets, the league unrenounced me and Walt. We'd already <laughs> been talking to other teams. And so now we're back property of the Heat. And they offered me more money. But again, a one year deal. One year deal. Nope, I'm out. And then they renounced me again. So Good for you, there you man. go. <laughs> Good for you. Does it blow you? I mean, do you, what do you feel like uh, the playing in the NBA, the era that you played or playing now is like, is it, is it so different? I mean, like, would you much rather play in this? Is this, is this more player friendly now? Or is it back then? Was it like you felt like you had a little bit more security? Uh, I don't, you know, it's, that's hard. I, I love watching the way the game is played now. And, you know, as a six, three, six, four, 185 pound guy uh, playing in an era where, you know, most of the twos in the league, twos and threes in the league were six, seven, six, eight, two, 15, two, 20. That was an era where people posted up a lot. It was much more physical. You could hold and grab. So, for someone who was built like me, this era looks awfully appealing. <laughs> you, know, you can't, you can't tell, you can't hold people and grab them like you used to be able to leave them to jump so, on people, dude. Yeah. yeah manhandle. So, um, you know, from that regard, I, I kind of, you know, long, I would think today it would be fun playing today, but man, I wouldn't change it for the world. I played against some of the greatest players. My rookie year was Kareem's last year. So I played oh, against got it. Everybody from Kareem to uh, uh, Vince Carter. You know, I played against Vince and Dirk, and those guys just finished playing, you know, last year. So I played against some of the great players of all time. And um, yeah, just very fortunate. Uh, dude, I, and we got to wrap this up. Uh, and I, this is like, JR, like, thank you for setting this up, dude. Like, I, I <laughs> so mean, you this, both man. are in New York. You both love New yeah, York. Yeah, we could have done it. We could have gone you down here. You could have come. You could have come know, here. We could have done it right Leck there. Leck is here. JR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next stop. Drop the ball. <laughs> well, you'll be back. You'll be back 100% because okay. I know you love Prince and we got some Prince coming up. And I want you to, I want Perfect. you to do, I want you to do uh, your favorite. Um, but I mean this when I say this, like to all the fans out there, I'm sorry if we talked a little bit too much about basketball. 
this is why I love doing the show when I get to sit down with people that I, I've looked up to, that I'm a fan of, and and I am such a huge fan of yours in basketball and online, and the story of being able to come out of addiction and do something good with your life. And you can show all those guys. I, cause I, every time my anniversary of me getting off opiates comes, I put the post up yeah. on social media and I say, if you need help, reach out to me and I'll do whatever I can in my yeah. power to help you. And the people that, that will reach out and like, I'll just tell them, go to therapy. You isn't know, it amazing though? It, it, isn't it amazing once you kind of get past, you know, the, the jonesing and all that, isn't it amazing to get to the place where you're not worried about going to the fucking pharmacy or drug dealer or whoever you were getting your shit from? Isn't yep. that a relief? Like I spent so much worry time spent. Where am I getting? Oh, I'm going out of town. Where am I going to get it there? What, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it was hell. So it was well done. Congrats. Hey, thank you, buddy. Yeah. It's like, it's nice to have your days back. Yeah. Know? right. It's like, oh yeah. It, really <laughs> I, I, it was, I mean, in LA it was, you know, it was easy, but you said the thing that's like going out of town. Yeah. That was, that was the hard thing where it's like, fuck, I'm gone for, I'm going to a week on tour and, and I've got, you know, I've, I have no idea if I'll be able to get them there. So you're scrounging up whatever exactly. money you can get, man. It's a horrible existence, a horrible yeah. existence. Yeah. So to, to everybody out there, if you listen, and I know there are some, cause I've got mess from you guys, like, dude, feel free to reach out to me, whatever I can do to help you guys. Uh, you know, I'll tell you everything that I did. Um, Same. all right, Rex, I got, I asked this, these questions to everybody. Okay. Um, what is your favorite song on this record? Oh, you know what I love? Love having you around. I Me love too. having you guys around. Oh, there you go. There's Jeremiah there you go. with his 45. There you go. <laughs> tabs open. <laughs> love having you around. Maybe it was be. I agree with you. Is maybe it's because. Um, it's because it's it was the first song on it and it just caught me immediately. It's and it's so different than anything I was expecting that it just it's so good. I would say that and track number two are my two favorites. Um, this is a loaded question. The next one is uh, so you so let me see how I can phrase it. What song on this album uh, do you dislike the most? But I even want to say dislike. Well, what do you tend to skip over? <sighs> Oh, let's go. Uh, I don't know. I know it's too good. It is happier than the morning. Yeah. Think so. no, 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 no. That's your opinion. Stick okay, with it. All right. Stick with right. it. I, I, okay. I, I picked, uh, what did I write down? Let me see my little thing. What did I wrote down? I the wrote way down. I go is like, if I hear two songs, like one and two that are great, I'm already thinking, well, the song three can't be great too. I'm going to skip it. It's it's a that's it's why a, I did it. It's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. Um, all right, unless I this ask, is going to be the greatest album of all time, number three is going to be shitty. After you, 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 well, it's like you come out strong, yeah, you back on. it up, and then the third song, yeah, or yeah. or or what I've learned from doing this this podcast though, Rex, is that sometimes side one is is six of the greatest songs you've ever heard, and side B is like. All right, this is this is they're just trying to make the album finish. Do they ever do it the other way? Are they ever Sometimes, that confident yeah. where they just got, put shit on the first six and blow you away with the last six? Oh yeah. That's ballsy. Uh, That's that is ballsy. ballsy. I'm trying to think yeah. of who's done that. Um 
Fuck. <laughs> Check back next week, everybody, right. and I will tell you All who right. I thought of. I, I got like two on the tip of my tongue. I just can't get it out. All right. I'm excited to find out this. This is a two-part question. All right. One, can you have sex to this record? And two, if you were going to have sex to this record, what's the song you're pulling out? I shouldn't say pulling out. What's the yeah. song you're putting on your list? <laughs> yeah, uh, you definitely can have sex to any kind of Stevie music. And I'm just going to go with um, Superwoman. Superwoman? Good choice, yep. dude. Good yep. choice. All right. And the final song. Well, actually, I've. Uh, fuck. I have another question. Okay. All right. This is a basketball one. Don't hate me, everybody. What is uh, you? You played. You did such an amazing career. What is your? What was your swan song moment? What was the moment playing in the NBA where you were like, it can't get better than this? Oh, uh, man. Gosh, that's a really good question. I we had a good. We had a really good team in uh, Phoenix. My my first year in Phoenix, we had Jason Kidd and Kevin Johnson. Steve Nash and Danny Manning, Wayman Tisdale and John Hot Rod Williams, wow. Cedric Sabalos and Mark Bryant. It was a really good team. And we we played in the playoffs that year against the Seattle Supersonics. And we were a seven seed. They were a, they were a two seed. And we were better than they were. We beat them during the regular season. And we had them beat uh, – it was a five-game series. We had them beat at our place. Um, and I remember going into overtime of that game, just thinking how great this was because we had – the team was so fun, and I felt like if we had won that game, we'd have gone on and and beaten the Rockets that, that played in the next round, and they won it that year. Mm-hmm. We were better than they were, I felt like. So – but right around that time, 96, 97, I was like, man, this is great. I'm playing on a really good team, living in a great place in a great city, uh, playing for a terrific franchise. I don't know that it gets better than this. God, damn, damn. I can sit here and ask you questions all day. <laughs> uh, this is the final thing, man. What would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this album? You know Stevie Wonder? Yeah, that would be it. You ever heard of Stevie Wonder? <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, please promote away, man. Anything you want to promote? I I don't have much. Jo- Jeremiah and I do the Rex Chapman show with super cool Josh Hopkins every week. Uh, kind of a sports pod. Uh, talk life. A lot of lot of a lot of stuff like this. Yeah. And then I just uh, I'm doing a thing was just announced yesterday with. The guys from Smartless, um, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, they have a new podcast company. And uh, I'm doing a pod for them that will start um, probably in March um, called Owned, O-W-N-E-D. And um, it's about professional sports owners and their crazy lives. Um, Nice. You don't have to know about sports to follow it. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, I told them the other day we, we were talking, I said, we should do one where I'm just me and the guests are hammered, uh, once a month and, <laughs> and we call it, we've just put a DR in front of the owned and it's called drowned. 
Once a month. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Yeah, so I'm Wait. excited about that. That's it, man. That's are it. there? So are, why the the owners are just are they batshit? Are they cool? Are they just like, a bit of everything? You know, there are. I, you think about it. These owners. Uh, <laughs> if you're a sports fan, they, they control our emotions, man. If they, if they, if they own your favorite team, you live and die with the decisions they're making. And some of them are amazing, amazing billionaires. And some of them are batshit crazy billionaires. Um, And I just find them really funny and interesting. And, you know, we're, we're having some fun with it so, so far. I got to ask this then, you know, I have to ask this. Mm -hmm. What was was Abe Poland like? Abe was, uh, Abe wasn't around much. He wasn't around. Yeah. He wasn't around much. It was more of a hobby. I felt like for Abe, Abe was a nice man though. I had no issues, uh, whatsoever with Abe. Um, uh, yeah, a good, a good guy. I, I felt like probably toward the end, he, I would have liked to have seen him sell a little bit earlier. Um, but Washington's tough, man. It's a tough, it's a tough place. Um, you know, we, we played in Maryland all those years. They've moved into DC now. We've got a better arena and all that, but there's still something missing. Um, and I'm not Always. sure what it is because Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill's a great player. John Wall, an amazing player, but they just can't seem to to get over the hump, get back into the playoffs and, and take off again. But I'm pulling for them. Oh, God. <laughs> I, have the, I have their logo tattooed to me, bro. Well, maybe, what if, what if, I, what if they changed back to the bullets? Uh, we well, do that now? I, I would we love do that? that. I, I mean, is that, uh, we, I mean, I, come do, on. do you, do you really think though, like be, be honest, you really think in this day and age with all this stuff that's going on, that, it's like, that would be an I, issue. I, I mean, it's so <laughs> it's the wizards is not the name. It's not, but it's that's not. what we are. It's, it's it not. isn't, but I, I, and, but when they, he had the basket, the basketball team would be better. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. The, the Washington basketball team, the Washington football team, Wait, the Washington yeah. basketball team. Was was the cap center just a complete shithole? Oh, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. It had rats. It had cats chasing the rats. Um, it was it was dreary. It was in the middle of fucking nowhere in Landover. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't the worst of it. We we played in. Uh, we practiced at Bowie State University. Oh yeah, which was damn near in Laurel and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it it like legit has, has a stage. It's a high school gym. It has a stage on the side of the gym. I mean, that's, that's where we practiced. I'll never forget my first, my welcome to, uh, Washington. And then I, I'll let you guys go. Uh, (laughs) Dude, please keep talking. (laughs) I went from Charlotte, got traded to Washington and I came in the first day I sat down at my chair, getting ready for practice and uh had a note on my chair that said uh sign here to have $25 taken out of your check each week to uh to pay our equipment managers so you could sign that thing where they'd take $100 a month so they could pay our equipment manager or you could wash your shit yourself <laughs> in the NBA dude in the NBA 
Nobody else, nobody, no other team was doing any shit like this. This was amazing, but that was my welcome to Washington. Good uh, God. Good <laughs> God. That makes me so sad. No wonder we don't get crap here, dude. Nobody wants to come here. You would think Leonosis was is a little bit better, but who fucking he is. knows? He, he definitely is. He definitely yeah, is. Can he spins. Yeah, he spins yeah. more. Dude, yep. Rex, this rules, man. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, buddy. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Rex Chapman. Follow him on Twitter at Rex Chapman. And check out his podcast, The Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins from Next Chapter Podcast. Also, he's got own which is coming out very very soon look for that on the horizon for new music this week we have compton born singer songwriter steve lacy who calls stevie wonder one of his heroes you're listening to the song helmet off his 2022 record gemini writes and you can find links to the music on our website the 500 podcast.com and if you were in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and we will play it. I mean that. It could be just you farting into a microphone and as long as it's listener submitted, I will play it. I'm excited about next week too. We got a good little run coming on right now, guys. Next week we are doing the self-titled record, the debut, the 1978 debut by The Cars. Do your homework. Now I can feel the waste on me. I try my best to be worth all your while. You just gotta let me go as I'm trying to let go of you.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Next Chapter Podcasts.